delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is on the grid. And welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or whatever you're listening to us on. Thank you so much for joining us. A big show coming your way today. Andy McElroy, of course, the owner of McElroy Racing. You've probably heard about them more so in Porsche Carrera Cup here in Australia, expanding the business and entering into Porsche Carrera Cup in North America. We'll find out all about that from Andy very shortly. Jayna Jada joins us as well. He had another successful Bathurst campaign, two out of three now. For Jaden, and uh, of course, he was with uh, Todd Hazelwood, and they finished uh, the Bathurst 1000. We'll find out from him about that and what else is on the radar for Jaden down the track. Mark Walker and Richard Crowell join me as well at the end of the program to talk about what's been a big week in motor racing. All that to come right here on the grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On the grid. All right, joining us for a chat is Jaden O'Jada. Hello, Jaden. How are you? Hey, Tony. Yeah, good. Thank you. Good, mate. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we wanted to have a chat to you because it was a compelling Bathurst and you were one of the uh, guys that finished the race, which is fantastic, in 20th place. Yeah, thank you. Obviously, um, it was a pretty chaotic race and uh, 20th probably doesn't really tell the story of the race that we had. But, um, you know, ultimately, for my end, it was a, it was a pretty good experience and, um, yeah, good weekend. Tell us about Todd Hazelwood as a teammate. What's he like? Yeah, it was, it was unreal, to be fair. Like, he obviously a little bit older than me, so I sort of always followed him up uh, through karting. He was always a class ahead of me, so you always sort of look look to yeah. that class above and watch them quite quite fondly. Um, so to get to work with him was, was really cool. And um, obviously, we've had similar stories in the way that don't come from huge money, so have had to push to sort of get to where we are. So I think we sort of had that, that respect for each other, which was quite cool. Second year in a row with Matt Stone Racing. Was there a sense of familiarity for you? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, to, to still be in the 35 card that I was in last year, there's that um, that good understanding. And uh, obviously, the experience that I gained through the Walker Shaw program this year was was quite valuable. And um, yeah, you know, a lot of the staff carry over. So um, yeah, it was kind of good to have that constant Take us through the Walkinshaw program this year. You got the opportunity to drive uh, a wild card, um, yeah, effectively in a couple of races throughout the year. Uh, how did it all go down? Yeah, it was it was awesome. Uh, obviously, we did Winton and Darwin. Um, both rounds were were pretty mega. It seems like a, a while ago now, but uh, the whole crew at Walkinshaw were really welcoming, and um, I had had an awesome experience running with them, and you know, really really learnt a lot uh, from working within their main game. It was really a a free car operation, not a, a two plus one, which was which was awesome for me because it meant I could sort of be a sponge and soak up as much as I could. Yeah, and a, a pair of seventeens for you were your best in in both seventeenth uh, at Winton and seventeenth at Darwin. No, that means there was another eight or nine cars behind you, so it's not a bad result. Yeah, no, I think we're, we're really consistent across the wild cards. You know, I never think we we took the bottom bottom couple of spots, which was which was awesome because it kind of showed that each time I went out there, I could knock off a handful of the main game drivers. Um, you know, there was a couple of races there where we were on for quite a strong result, and um, you know, through a set of circumstances or whatever it might have been, it, it didn't ultimately come through. But um, you know, we showed some some pretty strong pace and um, some good promise in there as well. Mate, take us through what it's like to be a driver at your level at the moment. I mean, you're obviously not a 
fully fledged supercar driver. You're a, a co-driver at Bathurst. You've had a couple of years in Super 2. You won a Formula 4 championship. You were Formula Ford before that. And as you said, karting. So you've gone through the ranks. How tough is it and how frustrating is it to know that you probably want to go to the next step, but it's just so hard to do it? Yeah, it's just finding that opportunity. You know, obviously I've done the done the apprenticeship, uh, done my Super 2, done the Super 3, um, you know, and even the wild card. So it's just, you know, not every year's got the same amount of opportunity. So it's just, you know, you've got to keep knocking on those doors and hopefully um, one of them will, the, the right one for you will open at the right time. And in the meantime, you do what? You just... <laughs> Stay busy as much as you can, yeah. really. Obviously, you're trying to drive everything you can. So the co-driver is good. You get some testing room for that, your wild cards, and, um, you know, then anything else that you sort of can get your hands on, whether it be GT cars, uh, production cars, you know, just trying to trying to drive and obviously improve your craft as, as many ways as you can. A lot of driver training as well, um, both me doing the training and, and getting yeah. trained as well. Um, you- you gave up a full-time drive in 2022 to take up the Wilkinshaw offer and, and do those couple of events there. Will that be the case again in 2023 or are you itching to get yourself back into a full-time seat? We'll see. Um, you know, I'm not too sure what the wildcard rules will be for next year um, in terms of how many will be allowed. Obviously, um, just the goal would be to get into something full-time and, and kind of put a calendar together. But um, we'll just see what sort of presents itself and what looks looks best on a on a whole to get me that next step. You know, I think the wild cards were pretty mega because Super Two is great because it's obviously the feeder category. But if you um if you can obviously put on your resume that you've effectively raced with half the guys or with that whole grid of supercars, it's um it's pretty pretty handsome as well. Yeah, certainly. And you're right about the wild card for next year with the Gen Three cars coming through. There's not going to be a lot of them around, so the chances are wild cards excuse me may not be available until at least bathurst yeah you just oh, exactly right you don't know who's getting extra chassis um you know these cars they look pretty flash but unfortunately you don't know how they're going to praying and um you know as the the murphy and stanaway wild card almost found out that if, yeah. if a car goes down a, um, a couple of rounds or around before your wild card that um quite often that your car might get pulled so um you just just don't know and it's just sort of one of those risks that you take before doing that sort of program um but each program's got its own risk and i suppose the other thing about it also is is that there's a whole lot of other guys around your age as well who are just sitting on that peripheral just waiting for that opportunity to come how do you put yourself ahead of those blokes in, in regards to opportunities oh, i'd love to tell you i don't know i guess yeah. it sort of depends on what teams you talk to what relationships you've got um obviously quite important the old old budget situation as well um obviously a key factor in our game so you know you can just effectively try your hardest and you know anything that you can think of to to hopefully um build your case and build your portfolio you sort of you sort of try to make work at the moment uh you're up in adelaide just having a, a little bit of a run around in the gt car yeah just doing out some some work with mercedes benz out here for out at uh malala for the moment um, to keep to keep it a little bit busy. Going to send you down the road to our Adelaide studio in uh, at Richard Cole's place. It's just down the road from Melilla. <laughs> yeah, nice. Uh, mate, what do you what do you do to keep yourself busy during the day? You full time employment? Uh, effectively do the driver coaching. Um, just pick that up whenever I can because obviously with with what we do, we uh, are required to be in a lot of places that odd times and odd times of the week so you sort of need something that's a, a bit flexible so if you can pick up a few good clients where you know you can 
basically get enough work whenever you need. But at the same time, you can sort of push it back, obviously, the lead up into Bathurst and even the wildcard program. I spent a lot of time in Melbourne and mm. with the co-driver spent a bit of time in Queensland. So you've got to have something that builds you a bit of flexibility. Um, and then obviously, whenever you're doing your meetings, uh, Zooms, whenever you've got anything on, you need that flexibility where you can plan ahead. Um, so it often becomes quite hard for a lot of us drivers to get five day a week jobs because you know we, we never know where we can be next week or the next day so um you sort of need something that works and you can make flexible to your own needs yeah so true the uh the situation with bathurst uh, we'll go back to that drive how tough was the weekend for you driving wise in that weather sunday obviously was a, a lot better day and the, and the pick of the days of the days that you guys were on track but gee was thursday friday saturday there was some shocking stuff out there yeah, she did look pretty. Uh, yeah, we, we kind of saw that from a week or two out that it wasn't going to be a pretty week. Um, I think it was probably better than what most were, were expecting. Um, if you looked at what the forecast was going to play, obviously they didn't get the top 10 shootout, but you know there was a point there we didn't think we were going to get any running across Saturday at all. So mm. I think we were quite lucky with what we got. But yeah, it was definitely challenging from inside the car. Obviously, we had two co-driver sessions. One was dry, one was wet. So as a co-driver, that's probably what you would hope for to you know, best prepare yourself for the race. So, you know, no matter what circumstance comes into your way in the race, you've sort of got a few laps in that, those conditions under your belt. And sure enough, in the race, it threw something that we didn't encounter, which was half dry, half wet, and forever changing in that first stint. So, yeah, definitely, definitely made it challenging. But it was just basically about keeping your head screwed on and uh, staying consistent and trying to minimise the mistakes. There's always a a level of pressure on a co-driver in regards to making sure they bring the car home safe for the regular driver to finish the race off in. Was that pressure just turned up even more during that weather? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, there's a few main drivers out there as well in that first yeah. sip. So uh, I dare say they felt a little bit more comfortable or, or felt a little bit more comfortable to risk it a little bit more, should I say? Um, so yeah, it was, you know, just so early into the race. It's just about keeping the thing clean and, and minimizing the risk. There's no point, going for a move or trying to make up a handful of spots when, you know, you could take, take the car out of contention by doing it. Did you feel a little bit for Zane Goddard when you saw what happened to him? Yeah, definitely. Look, I think, you know, if he had his time back, he wouldn't have made the same decision, but um, yeah, he definitely doesn't deserve some of the flack he's getting at the moment. I think that's, that's not on. Um, You're definitely right there. There was comments coming from everywhere, including people who have never driven a supercar before in their life. I mean, you, you don't know the situation. You shouldn't be able to say anything. No, exactly. And you know, it's a lot of lot of keyboard warriors that you know probably probably don't have an understanding of of how quick those those situations happen. And you know, if it was dry, that that incident doesn't happen. But unfortunately, it was a similar situation to what we saw at Sandown, where you know somewhere just gets run out, run out, run out, and then all of a sudden it just comes a bit of a mudslip. So very very easy to misjudge and make a make a small error which obviously leads to some pretty big consequences but you know that's it's no different to making a mistake in crashing but mm. um, you know it doesn't doesn't deserve any any hate going towards anyone really it's just a mistake no difference to if you're going to make a mistake in the business place yeah no, very very true so about 2023 it's only a couple of months away are there uh irons in the fire for you yeah yeah there's a couple um just going through the moment and seeing which one's which one's best and what looks best, obviously, for my future. All right. Well, we hope it all works out for you, buddy. Thanks for taking the time to have a chat to us and congratulations on getting another finish at Bathurst. That's two out of three now, so they can only uh, keep getting better, I'm sure. 
Yep, hopefully so. Good on you, mate. Thanks for your time. Awesome. Thank you. Jada Jada joining us here on The Grid. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid. All right. Joining me now is Richard Crail from theracetalk.com. Hello, Crailsy. Tony Shebeki, how are you? Mate, I'm mighty fine. Thank you very much. And I'll tell you what, we've got a really good story to tell here with Andy McElroy. Uh, we do, because we often, and especially on this show, talk a lot about our drivers going overseas to make a career and to progress their racing enterprises overseas. But it's not that often that we get to talk about an Aussie-based race team expanding overseas. But that's exactly what McElroy Racing, the multiple Carrera Cup Australia champions, are doing. And delighted to say that Andy McElroy joins us for a chat about that right now. Andy, welcome to the show. This is a big thing for you. It is actually, Crowley. It's something that um, we probably thought about wistfully in the early days and um, never probably thought it was a, a genuine, realistic option. Um, but obviously, we've been, we've been so focused on getting our own team here, running running properly operationally, you know, developing kids properly, getting some runs on the board, et cetera, et cetera. So we've kind of kind of got there. There's still plenty of work to be done here in Australia, but um, the time's right. We've got enough of an established base of good people and IP and everything that we need around us to, to continue as we are here in Australia. But... Um, there's, there's just this window of opportunities arisen, so I thought we should should grab it while we can. Good day to you, Andy. Hello, Shabax. A lot of red tape to get this up and running. Um, where the red tape is is more uh, company set up, taxation, banking, that sort of stuff. That's quite uh, convoluted. Um, in terms of you know uh, getting getting a, a, a very, very good driver who's on winning quality um, at that level for next year, um, setting up the workshop, the key equipment, key staff. Um, that hasn't been hard at all. I guess it's because we've been through it before and mm. have learned a lot uh, along that journey. But, um, yeah, so no, the red, red tape certainly just on the, the administration side. So why Porsche Carrera Cup? North America, what was it that made that the most obvious target? Because you could have gone Crack Up Asia, which has been strong in the past, and I'm sure when China gets out of their COVID thing, it will be again. You could have gone to Europe. What was it that drew you to the States? Bank accounts yeah. in the Cayman Islands. You are that too. <laughs> Good sponsor. <laughs> Very. Um, so we've actually, you mentioned Asia. I probably did five or six years driver coaching in Asia with um, a good mate, Yui Tan, mm. um, in the, you know, in the you know, early 2010s, um, and really enjoyed that scene up there. Um, clearly, they are absolutely struggling at the moment with the, all the, the COVID things that are still going on up there. But the, the American thing, now that we've made the decision and the ball is, you know, we're, we're probably... Uh, I'd say 70% of the way there to being ready to roll. Um, <clears throat> you look back and go, well, that's a bit of a no-brainer um, for a number of reasons. A, we've lived there, uh, you know, lived there for, for uh, six years in the late 90s. Um, I've been travelling up there uh, quite a bit over the last three years with, uh, with Hunters Racing and, um, you know, a lot of relationships I made when I was there as a mechanic in the 80s even. 
um, are still quite influential in IndyCar and sports car racing up there. So um, it was a bit of a no-brainer realising, you know, one of the things that I wanted to to check off was that to, to see if Hunter was going to have a full-time career up there because, you know, that ball could have rolled either way. Um, and uh, this year's kind of shown that it's highly likely that he will be up there for a good few years yet. Um, so I figured that another factor was, hey, I'm going to be going, I went up there eight times this year, so I might as well go 10 times and mm. have my own team up there as well, make the trips dual purpose and hopefully build a business up there that can, um, you know, create opportunities for our kids down here. So, yeah, it's, it was it was pretty obvious when I sat down and, and, and thought about it properly. You've got an amazing team back here in Australia that has done a great job for you over the years. Will there be opportunities for those guys to spend some time with the American team and, and learn a, a different lifestyle? Yeah, there is. Um, there's, I, I want both teams um, or businesses with their businesses to be completely independent of one another. Um, so, you know, I can, I can flip between, between either team, depending on how the calendar is looking, but um, the, the, I want the American guys to be able to come down here and spend a weekend with our team and sort of learn sort of our, our culture and, and the way we do things. But I also want to reward the guys in Australia by saying, hey, Knackers, you're coming to the States next month. You're going to come to Miami Grand Prix and, and help us run a car there. So it'll be more of a bonus-based thing for the guys on both sides. Um, but, yeah, the teams will run independently of one another. But what I really was really uh, strict on myself about was I wanted this move to not weaken our Australian team at all because we're in a really good place now and I don't want to jeopardise any part of that. So what I want to do is make that stronger. So what that allows us to do now is bring in more people. Um, and, and I've been engineering a couple of our drivers in Career Cup and Sprint Challenge up in, including this year. That'll stop at the end of this year and I'll be more of a you know, overarching perhaps um, position so we're bringing in another really experienced engineer here for the Australian team, which is just going to make this team stronger. So, um, yeah, that's that's how the, the, the flow of staff will, will work. You mentioned in the media that came out when this was announced, some of the methodology and uh, I suppose ideas behind why going to America. And on that, you touched on having an alternative driver ladder. And, and McElroy, among everybody, has been the best here of, of their drivers taking advantage of that Porsche pyramid to Europe. And we've seen tangible evidence of that working with Jackson and Maddie over the last five years, which has been outstanding, but just talk us through the U S side of things and, and why it is you believe that that's a, perhaps another opportunity for young drivers here to chase rather than going the European pathway. Yeah. Yeah. Very good point. So, um, you know, most people that follow Porsche racing know, um, Maddie Campbell and Jackson Evans's careers and their trajectory. They're both being paid by Porsche now to race cars, you know, years after they left us, which is fantastic. Um, uh, but Europe is, everyone looks to Europe. Um, it's, everyone's chasing the same drives, the same sponsors. It's very competitive, just like it is here. So if you can survive in Europe or you can survive in Australia as a driver or a team, you're a, you're a decent operator. So, 
America is the, the land of opportunity, which is a bit of a cliche, but it's also still so true. So I see a massive opportunity um, for young drivers, the ones that we take up from here and whichever ones join us from America. But to put into perspective, the, the drivers, the top three kids from uh, Carrera Cup North America this year all won scholarships to go up to IMSA at the GT3 level. Mm. Over here, you've got to win your championship year or, or win the junior driver championship, get selected to go to the shootout. Then you've got to win the shootout in Europe before you get your first scholarship. In the US, the top three kids all got scholarships and they just won their local Career Cup championship. Yeah. And, and so, you know, the opp opportunities in that respect are just enormous. And that's, you know, largely due to Troy Bundy, our dear friend that, that ran um, Porsche Motorsport here in Australia for a number of years. And now he's based up there and taking a lot of his initiative and, and uh, commercial savvy into the US market and really igniting that thing up there. So, yeah, the opportunity is obviously such a huge place, the amount of sponsors that are floating around. And just the American way of they, if when they see someone that's doing well, they, they they tend to befriend them and take them under their wing. These these wealthy American guys. So there's going to be massive opportunity um, commercially and and competitively for for drivers up there over the next five or six years. And and I can't believe I'm the only one who's kind of spotted that at the moment. The opportunity to go into North America and succeed is obviously very much there. And I know that you wouldn't be doing it unless there was that chance to succeed if success does come in the near future is there an opportunity to expand even further and maybe also start a team in in super cup in america and sorry in europe maybe no my my plans are to expand more within the us i um i luckily i enjoy travel so i i, I enjoyed hopping on the plane doesn't if, it, if it's going to melbourne or it's going to la it doesn't make a great deal of difference just how long yes. you're sitting in the backside but um, I want to grow the team at the GT3 level. I, you know, there are, there are times here when some opportunities have kind of come by in the GT world in the past, which we simply haven't had the financial uh, uh, background base, whatever you want to call it, um, or, the, or the workshop space. So we've kind of been restricted on some opportunities that have come our way because we just weren't established enough. Whereas up there, um, the, you know, I don't know what opportunities will come our way at this stage. I'm sure plenty will, but, you know, you've got to do a good job before those opportunities do start appearing. So that's our first priority. But no, I don't intend to expand into Europe at all, but there's so, I'll, I'll be a very old man by the time we've finished expanding in the US, I reckon. <laughs> good. And there's so much opportunity, like GT3 over there. It's not just the, the GTD class in IMSA, but there's World Challenge, SRO is an entirely separate series full of GT3 cars. There's an Intercontinental GT Challenge round. There's more lower-level stuff. The, the market is just so massive from, from that customer side of racing over there. It's enormous. Uh, two things we need to touch on before we wrap up, Andy, and we thank you, as always, for your time. Uh, one of them is Hunter and one of them is next week. Let's talk about next week first. Streets of the Gold Coast. Uh, can I give you a stat? Because I've been doing my notes for the championship finale, Andy. You're going to hate talking about this, but it's going to happen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Anytime a McElroy driver has led 
going into a championship finale on the Gold Coast, they've won the title. So how are you feeling about young Harry Jones with a 75-odd point lead going into the Gold Coast Career Cup finale next week? I feel good. feel really good. Um, Harry's in a good space. He, he, had, he, he flattened out a little bit in the mid-season, which he's the first to admit. Um, it's that old, the curse of sort of having a healthy championship lead early in the year. Um, we, we got our heads together um, a couple of, well, before Bathurst and he knew what he had to do. And you will have seen he came out punching at Bathurst. He grazed mm. the wall on, in practice on Thursday. No big deal. Did an absolute ripper job. So his mindset is completely on attack mode. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very confident that he'll have a, have a good weekend, and which would be great for, obviously, him, his back, as his family, and, and us as a team. So, you know, we've, that place has, has been good to us in the recent history with, with Jackson and Maddie, but it was brutal to us in 2014 with Luffy when he was leading the championship, and, and we, uh, we lost it through, through uh, bad, bad racing, like Lucky, Luffy getting punted off, et cetera, et cetera. So, we know that that stuff can turn south again really quickly. So there will be no complacency until after the uh, the last lap, the last race. And the other one, of course, is Hunter that Richard mentioned. What a fantastic year for him in 2022, a contract for 2023. The process of waiting another year to go into the, in, possibly into the big time, is that all due to the fact that there could be a lot of changes happening in 12 months' time? Yes, you, uh, you, you've done your homework, Mr. Shebeki. I oh, know, I've just heard Mark and Richard talk about it. So I'm just <laughs> <part of that. laughs> um, you know, I, I years ago heard a saying, it's, it's better to be lucky than good, and I think I fit into that category quite well. But um, so is Hunter in terms of the timing um, of, of his sort of trajectory through the road to Indy and now ending up in Indy Lights. And... Um, at the beginning, very beginning of this year, when we spoke to the senior management at Andretti, they told us that they had no seats available at the end of 22, um, but they have three seats available at the end of 23. And that was in no way suggesting that he doesn't try his best to win the championship in 22. But as things turned out, he, he made mistakes. He learned a lot. Um, Apparently, in the last, if the championship ran only the last two thirds of the championship, um, he would have won it. Mm. So clearly, that points to a bad start to the year. So he's got momentum coming into next year. So um, he uh, and Dreddy have been very, very good to us commercially for next year. Um, they've 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 pointed one of their sponsors in his direction. Um, so they've made things a lot. Uh, lot easier for us next year or for him financially um and the carrot is there if he does a good job that there, there could be something bigger waiting around the corner but uh, obviously we all know that that's going to depend on results but yeah he's um he's lucky little little turd he's um <laughs> looking, looking pretty good right now <laughs> Oh, it's no, good on him. He's worked hard. Yeah, good to catch up. Hey, quick question without notice. I've just thought of. Do you like? Do you go and pick Michael Andretti's brains about running a team in US motorsport at any point? Because he's very successful in IndyCar, but he's had fingers in all the pies in IMSA and sports car racing as well. Like, is that? A, is it kind of surreal that that could actually be a resource that you can draw on? 
Well, it's funny. Um, so J.F. Thorman, as, as a lot of people will know, is the president of Andretti and um, Andretti Autosports. And Michael's very much the figurehead. And we obviously we see Michael every day we're at the track. He's, but he's not a super chatty guy. Mm. Um, so we really exchange pleasantries and, you know, same with Mario when he's in hospitality and things. But JF is the guy that we speak to the most. And when I mentioned to JF at uh, Nashville that we were going to be starting a Carrera Cup team up here, um, his first thing was, is there something we can do together? And one of the things I've learned along the way is, is when you do a, a partnership or a JV, it's got to be very well structured or it can, in the early days, while everyone's passionate, it goes well. Then when it starts making money, everyone, you know, leopard spots change to stripes or whatever and mm. shit can turn south when there's an actual money, at, at, you know, at, at stake. So I've learned to do my own thing in that respect. And it was kind of nice that they said, hey, is that something we can do together? But, um, you know, the weather... In North Carolina is not nearly as extreme um, in summer or winter as it is in Indy. Yeah. So that was one one of the reasons. But also, there's this, you know, each home motorsport hub probably has a similar amount of uh, positives and negatives. But um, I I haven't picked Michael's brain. I've I've picked a lot of brains of people that I've met um, that I you know have known 20, 30 years. Um, so I have used a lot of my social resources mm. but, but not michael specifically actually hey, I, want to, I want to know if it works the other way as an owner of wau has michael picked your brains about supercars he he hasn't actually um what's interesting is uh bruce stewart from wau the team manager and uh jf and myself have got a little three-way chat going a texting chat going so whenever anyone does anything famous we 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 congratulate each other or take the piss out of each other or or whatever <laughs> Um, so, so I do talk to JF quite a bit about what's happening down here, not, not, not to be a dogma, but it's kind of been one of the things when we were doing the deal with Andretti for last year is they didn't realise the connection between Luffy and Hunter. Mm. Um, so that was another little thing. They went, oh, wow, this has got a really good feel about it, this, this partnership. So, um, yeah, the WAU thing certainly comes into it. That's it's, you know, Bruce was one of the ones instrumental in, bringing Hunter's name up to, to Andretti's in the first place. So there are quite a bit, there's a fair bit of crossover there. Yeah, and Shebex, nice. don't ever let it be said that this bloke isn't a still a car racing fan because there was a photo doing the rounds. I think it was from Laguna, perhaps, or near the end of the IndyCar Championship of Andy McElroy and Tim Miles having a what looked to be a cool, refreshing beer in the Andretti hospitality. And in it. the background of that photo was one of the greatest racing car drivers of all time in Mario Andretti. And I thought yeah. that was that was a nice little fanboy moment there that I very much appreciated and was quite jealous well, of, to be honest. Yeah, he he is. It's it's like watching God, you know, when 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 he walks in, everyone that you can feel the mood in the room or hospitality mm. marquee change because the dudes he raced against are all dead, you know, yes. Ronnie Peterson and Louder and Hunt and and he was as good as all of those guys yet. He's 80-something. He still, like, he jumped in that freaking F1 car the other day, jumped into it like he was a teenager. Sideways um, on the limiter at the final corner at Laguna Seca. It was amazing. Yeah. So that guy is is an absolute legend. So, you know, there's a there's a, a doco on, I think it might be Netflix, a called Driven to Perfection, and it's mm. about F1 back in the day. 
and he features on there quite a bit. And I took a photo one night, I was having a beer watching it, and I took a screen, a photo of the TV screen with him sitting in the in the JPS Lotus. And then I showed him a couple of weeks later, I said, um, this is a, a explain it was a documentary that, that's on, on TV over here right now. And he goes, oh, I don't remember that. I've got to watch that. And it was I'm thinking, this is so unbelievable. Here's this iconic helmet in an iconic car. Yeah. And I'm talking to the dude mm. and uh, and told him something he didn't know about. So that was pretty neat. Yeah. The worst part about that story with Mario Andretti, though, is the fact that Tim Miles was walking in next to him and he thought the room went silent because of him. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're, we're all used to that now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, mate, we wish you all the best with 2023. First of all, we wish you all the best for the remainder of 2022. You've got a job to do up on the Gold Coast next week with your team. But 2023 is going to be a massive year for you, your workers, and your family, mate. We hope it all goes well. Thanks very much, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show. Andy McElroy joining us here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. Joining us to wrap up the program, as always, Krause, is Mark Walker, also from theroastalk.com. Hello, Mark. Hello, Tony Shebecki. Welcome to podcasting once more. Yes, it's always fun to podcast with you gentlemen. Uh, a fairly quiet week, but still a little bit happening. There's a fair bit post uh, Bathurst, isn't there? Yeah, did everyone get over Bathurst okay? <laughs> no. Well, we got home from Bathurst. I don't know if we got over. Oh, barely. No. Oh, that last got... 10K, oh, I had a bit on. <laughs> it was more like, I think it was the, it was probably the Thursday after last week where I was hit by the yeah. full Bathurst. Oh, Jesus, that happened. Uh, Tuesday, I finished driving home. Wednesday was busy with post, you know, reporting and f- finalizing social and things like that. And then Thursday, I got up and felt honestly like I'd been smashed by a steam train. It was, yeah, yeah it was such a week, wasn't it? Just like, week. And read, read Mark's diary on the racetalk.com for it because that <laughs> adequately sums it up for all of us. I think it was. Oh, what a bonkers, bonkers week. It was pretty silly, wasn't it? I mean, I mean, myself and yourself, we spent 77 hours at Mount Panorama Circuit over the course of the, however many days we were there. Mm. We ended up walking 77 Ks. We, we did a lot of writing and stuff, and you did a lot of talking. Um, but still, I managed to take 21,000 photos, which seems That's excessive. Crazy. And I, didn't, I really didn't try that hard. It just, mm. just happened like that. Anyway, uh, once again, well done to you boys. You did a fantastic job in the wrap up and the wash up of it all. Uh, Peter Adderton looking to get another license to run Richie Sanaway. Is it going to happen? Well, he, he's been, <sighs> he's now been seen twice in as many weeks on a grid uh, with Barclay Netafold, who's the chairman of supercars. So, they were together at Bathurst in a garage and they were together on the grid at MotoGP Phillip Island. So I wonder if something's a cooking. Um, Barclay's on record in saying that he doesn't want to see single car teams. Uh, but Adderton's on record saying he wants to be a single car team and speaking to the V8 Sleuths Motorsport News Podcast this week said they've they've got plans in place. They've got a technical provider lined up. Stanaway's going to drive. Away they go. Um so now I suppose it's up to it's up to the board to go yay or nay. Do we give out this twenty six license and do we take our life into our own hands with the side effects that it could be? 
which would yeah. be a wild a wild ride every week. So yeah, I don't know. It, I don't know. It has seemed that he's been trying to do most of his dealings via social media, but I would <sighs> presume he's a lot smarter than that. Well, look, he's very good at using the media, clearly. and Because the media, it clicks. It yeah, clicks. Totally. The media love him because mm. he gives them a headline. Absolutely. And honestly, I don't have a problem with that at all. I, it's fine. If, if he wants to speak out like that and some of it might make him look silly, some of it might be intelligent, well, then so be it. He makes some good points. Don't get me wrong. The question in my mind is, will the, will the race board that owns supercars go... Yes, we think it's worth giving this bloke our 26th and last remaining license to give out for the potential side effects that any time we make a decision that he doesn't like, he's going to blow up about it and everyone's going to write about it. Well, I suppose that they've, they've also got the opinion that he's going to do that regardless of whether he's got a license or not. So maybe if you give him a license, you sort of rein him in and you control him a little bit more maybe? Yeah, yeah, sure. It could be an element of, of management of that and, and could also ensure that boost stay in the sport as the major sponsor of the gold coast 500 like they are and everything else they're doing how do supporters of gary rogers motorsport feel about this where you know the toys got thrown out of the pram there and we're not getting our control uprights we're leaving the sport and then all of a sudden we're back at erebus and he has a falling out with supercars this year it sort of all stemmed back to that uh uh, who was it that had the photos taken at the Optus store? At yeah, one a, couple of the of, a couple of board members. And, and it was like, that's it. Mm. Yeah, that's it. We're out of the sport. They've ditched Erebus. So Erebus are now left in the lurch looking for new sponsors for next year. Well, we're going to come back with one car with Richie Stanaway. What? 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 Sorry? Huh? What? Do, mm. do people read this stuff and go, you know what? I want to buy one of his SIM cards. <laughs> I don't know. Like myself as a, as a fan of the sport who follows it reasonably closely, I, I see all that and go, you know what? I'm pretty happy with my Optus postpaid plan here. And I don't want to buy one of his SIM cards because he's a loose unit. How's, I don't your know. Data, how's your data going, by the way? Did you, is your passport been hacked by somebody or? I think um, they're running on an old Queensland um, license number, so oh, they, good. Can have, they can have it. Yeah, That's nice. fine. How well did, did I go? I'm, on, I'm with Optus, and I'm also with Medibank Private. Oh, yeah, no, we're stuffed. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, there's four Tony Shebekis running around doing podcasts tonight. Oh, Struth, that's that's bad news. <laughs> Although the way we operate, sometimes it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> um, how, how do we feel about Richie Stanaway coming back? Is he a changed man? Has he grown up? Because I think all of the trials and tribulations of Richie Stanaway Mark one are fairly well out there. It didn't really go well for him or the people who employed him in the first instance. Has he figured that out? I think he's trying. Well, from what the, the time I spoke to him at Bathurst, uh, this the couple of weekends ago, he seems like he might be just trying to change his persona a little bit. But then the grind of a 12 or 13 event supercar series might might undo that it's bloody hard work and you're under a lot of pressure and uh it, it's a pretty relentless cycle even though they're not racing every weekend i just wish and hope that if he does come back we get to see the talent that richie stanaway was in open wheel racing especially where he was genuinely on the road to formula one and 
and fabled by a whole lot of people as one of those once in a generation talents that could have, should have, would have, but didn't. Um, if you can see that, and it's like him doing that wet lap in qualifying to put the thing on the, the second row of the grid for the 1000, that that's the kind of stuff that if you get that Richie Stanaway every weekend, then he adds enormously to the supercar narrative, in my opinion. But we didn't get that for whatever reason in his first tenure in the sport. And yeah, the question remains whether we get that again. And, and that would be my precursor would be, would be that we get to see the real Richie Stanaway and just ragging a supercar every week. Cause you can forego any grumpiness that might go on from there. If he is spectacular to watch witness the current champion elect. Can I suggest that the respect for Greg Murphy is immense from Richie Stanaway. And if I was Peter Adderton, I would be saying to Murph, he's too fitty. I want you to be his mentor for the entire year, as well as take up the second, take up the co-driver's role for Bathurst again next year. But I want you to be with him at every race meeting, work with him, help him, improve him and make him a better person than what he's been before. And I reckon Stanaway listens to Murphy that much and loves him that much that that would be the perfect resolution to the whole thing. Well, it doesn't, yeah, yeah, that and that in the news that's come out this week, that's apparently what's going to happen. Sam's okay, the co-drive. I don't think yeah. he's going to co-drive, but um, yeah, right. It, it, the, the Richie's Mark One didn't need a mentor; he just needed a babysitter. Mm. What? Hey, mate, you got to turn up the day before the race man and do a track walk. Hey, mate, you got to turn up to your autograph signings. Yeah. Like it wasn't necessarily and, needed and, life coaching. It was and just... that's not, it's certainly not a GRM environment and it's probably not so much a Tickford environment either. So, so maybe some of it was down to the environment he was in at the time. It's hard to say. Hmm. So is a single car, you know, boost team, whatever alliance they want up getting, you know, will it be that A grade kit for him to show his wares? Well, who knows? And starting from scratch next year, everyone with theoretically the same stuff we've seen in the past that teams have taken advantage of that. BJR's famous for a change of rules and coming out strong. So, yeah, I mean, if there's a time to do it, it's now. You wouldn't want a, a year's worth of DJR and Triple Eight developing, getting down the road. Um, yeah. Or even just, you know, the four-car teams, I think, are going to have some sort of advantage next year where they can chuck four different setups at the things when they roll out for practice one. Yeah, yep. very true. Uh, speaking of throwing things at things, uh, new tyres for the wet for Gen 3 cars. <laughs> I wonder where you're going with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe we should get some of those tyres down to Shepherd and Atuka. Apparently they disperse water right. quite well. We could use them at the moment. Yeah, good. Uh, Dunlop do a great job. And uh, it, it's hard life being a controlled tyre supplier to a category. Just talk to Pirelli. But they're, uh, I think they're doing a good job and they're because they're led by someone like Kevy Fitzsimmons who knows where it's at and knows what it needs and is pretty realistic about things that they're across what they need to do to improve their product. And they've, I think they've said on record at a point this year that the, the super soft wasn't as super soft as they perhaps thought it was going to be, but, and that yes, they needed a new wet because the, the Dunlop wet has not been a good tire. So they've gone and made a new one. And apparently it's a big step forward, which is great. So could we have run a shoot? Could we have run the shootout? Had we oh, had this? But, well, shoot? you don't know, do you? Because they no. haven't really tested it. I still maintain that you couldn't have run that shootout no. on anything no. on yeah. with tractor tires. Yeah. Seriously. So, mm. hmm. uh, NASCAR, Mark, a lot happening 
there in the last couple of days. It's true. Are, are drivers reflecting on what maybe they should have done or, oh, or not maybe should have done? Uh, so Joey Logano, he's booked his ticket to Phoenix. So uh, started the season with a win at the Coliseum and he's uh, the first person to get himself into the final four which is interesting because it was a cookie cutter track there at Las Vegas. You guys have been there. What's that track like? What's the facility like there? Cause it looks oh, pretty huge. immense. Do you Massive. know what the best thing about the best thing about Las Vegas motor speedway and, and Tony and I went there on a little tour before we went to the Indianapolis 500 in 2016. I don't the think we've ones. ever mentioned on this show oh, no, no. that Tony so, and I went to I, the Indy 500, the hundred oh, running of the yeah, Indy 500. Do you remember? Yeah. I, I don't think we've talked about it. I sometimes just tune out about now. So yeah, I, just, I understand. Uh, but we did go for a little tour um, of Las Vegas Motor Speedway, which is sensational. The, the two great things about it. One was uh, Doris, was that her name? Who was <laughs> And she was 175 years old. Former girlfriend of Roger Penske. And the most, wow, the most impressive fact I learned on that tour was that every single one of the palm trees, and there are several hundred that surround the speedway, were brought in at a cost of what was it like five thousand US dollars yeah. each? Yeah, correct. And there's six hundred of them, so that was ex- incredibly impressive. But the most impressive thing about Las Vegas Motor Speedway, Mark, is that directly next door, its next door neighbour, is Nellis Air Force Base. Yeah, uh, which is where all the fighter jets take off from to go and practice out in the test and training range out there in Desert Nevada at around Area Fifty One. So every five minutes, there's an F fifteen taking off, and it's just Awesome. I believe yeah. there's stealth bombers there too, but I couldn't see yes. them. Yeah, no, they were camouflaged. Uh, but good racetrack too, great facility, but uh, fighter jets. <laughs> no, but a, a massive, a big, the grandstands yeah. are huge. Yeah, it's, it it's, is a big facility. It is epic in scale. You know, and on the weekend, it was supposed to be a Hendrick or a Gibbs track, and they got smoked by a Ford, which was a bit of a turn up for the books. Uh, I suppose the big talking point was the Barney between Kyle Larson and Bubba Wallace, uh, mm. Kyle fenced him and he admitted as much afterwards. It was a mistake, but he fenced him for the lead, which uh, Bubba took, took exception at, then fenced everyone in retaliation, including himself, fenced Larson, fenced Christopher Bell, who was one of the Toyota hopes in the final eight. So big ramifications there. Obviously, by the time uh, this goes to air. NASCAR's probably handed down whatever sanctions they want to hand down for it. Probably be probably be points and huge amount of dollars because he also abandoned ship of his car and walked down a live racetrack to show his displeasure to Larson, who he nearly impaled over his bent up race car. Mm. But Bubba has apologised though. You know when mm. you the sponsors so- were quite upset with that. Yeah, you know when you get on. Yeah, when you're sponsored by Maccas. Um, you know when you you're making an apology when it's the black tile with white text on Twitter when you or Instagram. That's oh, that's okay. a real that's a real serious. So we're very very sorry. Uh, little moment there. Like Bubba's a pretty emotional sort of cat. Like he he wears his heart in his sleeve, and he obviously had a bit of a brain snap there, but. Uh, yeah, in the current age of boys have at it, it's going to be interesting to see what NASCAR has to say about it because uh, suspending a driver for that sort of action is a bit unprecedented. Like there's been suspensions before, but it's typically stuff that happens uh, under yellow or in the pits where other people could get involved that they take exception to. So it'll be interesting to see what happens because they have penalised a few drivers lately for 
uh, different infractions on the track. So hmm. I missed the days when Clint Boyer got out of his car and went for a marathon run through the paddock at full speed to go and kill Jeff Gordon. And that was um, so, but, and there's a precedence there because that was to get to the final race at Homestead mm. and Jeff Gordon smashed out his opposition. And ultimately it didn't matter come the next week when Boyer beat Gordon on the track. But uh, yeah, that was a bit of a moment, wasn't it? But there Should was absolutely, more of it. there was no penalty for that back then when that was, uh, you know, was probably six or seven years ago now. Uh, the other good thing about Las Vegas Speedway as well is that the roofs of the garage are actually made of glass. So you can actually walk on top of the roof of the garage and look inside at the guys working on the car. Anyway, uh, this weekend at the Bend Motorsport Park is the Shannon's Motorsport Australia Championships. Actually, it's a cracking weekend because not only do they have a Shannon's round, but it's a round of the Australian Rally Championship. Get it together, Mark. Uh, and uh, all in the one venue. And they're actually using some of the Bend and the perimeter roads as a, the, the power stage for the ARC, which will be really cool. I'm really interested to see how that all plays out. So uh, GT World Challenge are there for a couple of one-hour races. Uh, Michelin Sprint Challenge Australia are there. Ryan Wood versus Thomas Sargent. It's box office. Watch it. Uh, Prototype Series Radical Australia Cup production cars all on track. Um, the Ben Classic running within that. So Yasushi Hin's got his Renault 3.5 V8, which is, I reckon, the fastest racing car in the country running around at the moment. That'll be going after lap records. Uh, all streamed live on 7 Plus this weekend, mm. which will be very cool. A bit of rally and motorsport crossover at probably the only venue in the country that could could do it. So looking forward to seeing how that all plays out. Oh, I mean, Mount Panorama the other week, you probably could have had a pretty, you could have had, yeah, well, pretty you gnarly rally there. Australian Off-Road Championship should have run there. So how does it work? Because uh, I noticed in the program there that Classic and the Formula cars and the vintage cars are running on the West Circuit. How does that operate? Well, the West Circuit is uh, is the international circuit with six corners missing, so they just go straight ahead over the hill at turn I six see. there, and it's the short circuit. Short the supercars, yeah, right. mm. Yep, yep, yep. Gotcha. Mm. Yeah, great. Looking circuit. forward to seeing that. That should be good. That's a busy weekend. Yeah, it is. There's a lot going on. Yep. Uh, if you were there to see it all, you'd be there at eight o'clock Saturday, and you'd still be there at about ten thirty when the last rally cars barreling around the. Um, barreling around the power stage and that's a longer day than i do at the 12 hour so um hmm. uh, actually it's kind of not but anyway no thanks um should we get into the direct power rankings for this week because uh, I've got yes. a, the hot i need to start with is great and it's the first one of these i've watched all year and it's probably the best car race slash race of the year i've seen and that is the philip island moto gp ah what an unbelievable race that was 45 minutes of edge of your seat tension with the best riders in the world and you had poor old jack miller taken out at the corner that was just named after him <laughs> how's the irony um but then just an unbelievable fight between all the best riders in MotoGP at the moment and it went on the whole race and there was at one point a freight train of nine or ten bikes going at it um, just over 40,000 people there. It's the second, the biggest crowd since 2012, mm. uh, which was one of, I think, Stoner's last win there from yes. memory. So um, the Victorian race fans obviously doing their, their job, even though all the campgrounds were shut or a lot of them were shut and all the parking was shut because of the water. Um, great turnout, amazing race, fantastic stuff. So that that was my hot. That that's It's going to take a lot. And at the end of the year, we'll do our race of the year and I will sit down and have to vacillate between that and the British Grand Prix and I'll find a very, very difficult decision. 
to uh, pick between either one of those because it was an absolute belter. My hot was MotoGP as well, but I'm going to add on to it Moto2 and Moto3 because those races were quite amazing also. Moto3 category at Phillip Island, I've never seen a bad race yet. I've seen blokes come from 10th on the final turn and win the thing just due to drafting. It's just the best bike stuff. racetrack in the world. Isn't yeah. It? Like, yeah. it has to be. It's yep. such a special place. Uh, for a hot, I'm going to lock in the Rock Festival that was at um, Oakley Kart Track on the weekend. It was a big national spec meeting there, and that was fierce. I tell you what, though, the, the thing here in Melbourne that I've grown to learn this year is that the two main kart tracks, Oakley and Todd Road, they're rad kart tracks. Like I was born and bred up at Ipswich Car Club, which is flat as a pancake and some pretty standard looking corners sort of thing. But that was good fun. It's all you sort of knew. But you come down here, Oakley, good grief. It's got some cambers. It's got some rise and falls. They've uh, put a new loop up uh, into where the car park used to be. And it is sick. Like it is a properly sick looking racetrack. And it's fast too. Like those uh, carts here in the weekend were absolutely flying. So I really enjoyed that. That was good time track. So it was actually interesting to, to see the number of uh, circuit racing team owners there absolutely having a red hot snoop around. Mm. Just going, hey, 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 <laughs> I, I've got a shed full of Porsches. Do you want to come and have a look at my Porsches? Nice. Nice. Yeah. No, very good. Very good. Uh, my knot, I, I struggled with a knot this week and I didn't want to knot extreme tiredness two weeks in a row. So. <laughs> I'm going to go, it's a bit of a preemptive knot, and I, I want to see how it plays out. But I think there's I think there's a bit of a knot in the gap between the Gold Coast and the Adelaide 500. And it's basically five weeks by the time we clear yeah. one. It's four weeks, four, four weeks before we clean one and get to the other one. And I think, thank goodness, in a way, we don't have an epic championship battle because all that momentum you build up from Bathurst and then two weeks later on the Gold Coast, which is an incredible event, and there's going to be such a high in having that back. It's kind of lucky that that championship storyline won't matter this year because Shane's going to win it on Saturday in the Gold Coast anyway. Um, because otherwise, it, four weeks is a long time to keep momentum, even with the return of the Adelaide 500 and all the storylines around that and how good it's going to be, and it will be. Um it's a long time and hopefully in supercars calendar, if and when it eventually gets released, uh, I hope that there's a, a little bit less of a gap between the final rounds in the championship, because one of the hallmarks, remember back, the hallmarks always used to be like, we go Bathurst, Gold Coast, there'd be one, we'd either go to New Zealand or Sandown in November Phillip and then Island. bang, bang or Phillip Island and then bang to Homebush to round it out. And you just, you'd finish with such a flourish between early October and early December. And it was just jam-packed and it was such a good way to end the year. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out. We've got the Bathurst International in the middle. So there's some racing there. We've got this event at the Bend as well, which will be good. But it is a long time for a month is a long time in the sport. So up against cricket season, which is starting to take hold, um, you do lose some momentum going into Adelaide. So uh, preempt, if not, see how that plays out and we'll uh, report back after Adelaide. I am going to reinvent a knot. Uh, of a couple of weeks ago, and it's just to basically secure what I said back then. We still don't have a calendar. Middle of October. I'm doubting whether we'll have it by the Gold Coast next week. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, probably Adelaide might be where they announce it, and by that time, it'll be eight weeks before the first race. Can't be that late. 
I can't believe oh, it. I don't, I don't believe it will be too, but I don't believe it can be, but I just don't, there's just nothing. I can't believe that it's been announced on Wednesday, the 19th of October, yeah. 2022. Yeah, there's absolutely no doubt that it will come out on Wednesday, the 19th, because yep. we don't do news here on the grid or the race talk. Mm. We don't do news and therefore it will be released 12 hours after we've recorded this podcast. So uh, how good well, that new well, calendar, that, eh? Well, isn't that, isn't that new a, calendar great? That's a well done. also. Well done, Supercars, for getting their calendar out. Fantastic job. Well, it's it's great to see it. Really looking forward to those events that are going to happen in the middle of the year there. Awesome. Uh, my not. Um, I battled this week, but I'll go a preemptive not. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to the Gold Coast, and I'm going to have such Ooh. FOMO. And it's your event, Mark. It's, oh. That is the best event in the world. Oh. Final, final round of Formula Ford at SMP for me on the same weekend. Oh, okay. I'm um, very sorry. Well, I'll, Sydney Motorsport Park <laughs> instead oh, of the Gold Coast. Oh. I'll be at home crying. What a good event. And be, it's going to have that hasn't been on for a couple of years. So everyone mm. in there, yep. dog is going to be yeah. there. It's going to be huge. We've already booked in our uh, our Chiang Mai Thai invitation oh, on Friday night. So oh. we've, we've booked in the, the uh, Clock Tower Hotel there on oh. Thursday night. Oh, very... There'll be some car That was just a standing booking that's been was, there yeah. for years. <laughs> sit sit outside. Here's a free tip to people. And this is the first time we did beers on TRT, by the way, and we expected no one to rock up and one bloke didn't. Thank you. Uh, sit out the front of the clock tower and you will see and supercar driver slash TV personality walk past. It is almost guaranteed. And then they're like, boy, Richard, how much have you had to drink? Yes. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Or when, oh, you're going know, to, when you're going to work the next day, be like, okay, I had a few beers last night, Richard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, Uncle Neil. <laughs> <laughs> you can either confirm or deny that story. Right. Uh, yeah, well, I will be sure to definitely not message you from either of those locations or the racetrack. Can you, how, how do you go getting your number blocked and losing friends on Facebook? You're all good with that? <laughs> yeah, fine. <laughs> Happens a lot. You'd be surprised. All right, that's my cue to sign off. Thanks, boys. Catch you soon. Ciao for now. Bye. And we'll catch you soon right here on The Grid.